Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to continue our conversation with Jeremy Quarles as we focus more on road managing in the music industry. I hope you enjoy part two of our conversation today. So when you decided, okay, I'm going to focus on road managing, I've got to let people know that this is what I'm doing. How did you go forward with that? Like, how did you let people know this is what I do and I'm looking to work with you as an artist or as a management company or whatever? How did, what steps did you have to take to make that happen? Sure. So the tour manager that came in after the Christmas tour with Franny is a good friend of mine now and is one of the best tour managers that I've ever met. His name's Greg Lee. And I learned so much from him road managing, watching him road manage Franny. And while we, you're doing production. While I'm doing production, okay. exactly. Because that's another hard thing is when you're road managing, you're the road manager, so there's no one to learn from. So that tour and that time when I was with Franny and Greg was road managing was really instrumental to me because I was able to learn how the best do it. And so coincidentally, he also works for a company called uh, Streamline Event Agency whose main task is producing tours and they put road managers out on various tours and so they have a pool of road managers that they that they pull from and they produce these tours they're very streamlined which is the reason they're named that so after i wasn't working with franny anymore and and greg wasn't working for franny anymore then he was like hey well we have some tours that we need road managers for would you want to jump on there Uh, some of them were tours some of them were just like one-offs with artists Uh, they have artists that are on their roster that they, that, you know, the artist just pays them to basically advance and be their, their road managing team. And so uh, there are a couple artists that I jumped on with for just various short runs or one-offs or whatever that they needed. Uh, and then I just kind of pulled from my connections with other artist managers that I knew and said, hey, this is what I'm starting to think. I know I've been a production guy in the past, but, um, I would like to start road managing. So if any of your artists need road managers coming up, you know, just let me know. And just really just letting the people that I knew know that that's the direction I was heading because you can't be afraid to let people know those things and to ask for those things. Even if they didn't have artists that needed it or or whatever, you just always want to put that in people's mind because, again, the music community here is very small tight-knit community and we all want to bring each other up and so you just have to let people know what's going on so that they can help you out was that a fairly easy transition 
to go from production into road managing? Like when you started letting people know, hey, this is what I'm doing, I'm switching into this. Was that a pretty... It probably took a year and a half in my mind to where I was made the switch from being a production guy that could road manage to fully being a road manager that can do production. So it was not a fast, well, some people might think that's fast. It did not feel like a fast process in the middle, in the middle of that. It was very uncomfortable. That's a good, a good term because everything, there's nothing easy about doing music. No, the music business is not easy living. Um, It's a great living. It's a fun living. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing it and sitting here talking about it. Uh, But it's not, it is uncomfortable and it's and it's hard hard work so uh, for people that are listening and wanting to hopefully get into some aspect of it you know they need to know that you got to work extremely hard and it's but it's worthwhile you know it's it's very much what we want to do or else we wouldn't be here you know so it's it can be lucrative you know you can make a really really good living at it you can barely scrape by Yep. Some days and most days, I think the majority of us are just scraping by if we're going to be really completely honest. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. I would say if you if you can do anything else and be satisfied with your life, then you should do something else. Oh, (laughs) but if if you can't do anything else and be satisfied, then you know that the music industry is for you. Yeah. And I think for those of us that are doing it full time there is nothing else for us. Right. And we've, we've tried other things, Yep. at least to some extent, you know, just like, just to be safe. You know, I know that some of us, we get to a point in our lives and our careers where we're just not as passionate about it as we used to be. And a lot of people do transition into other things, you know, that aren't music related at all, you know, and that's okay. And that sometimes that seems really weird. Like to me, that's a, that always feels odd to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody's like, I just don't want to do this anymore. You know, and rightfully so. And I understand, I understand why, but you know, for those of us that are wired, like since I was four years old or younger, all I've ever wanted to do was music. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing else, something music related. Um, and so to go do something completely opposite of that is a foreign concept to me, you know, but there are plenty of people do it. I mean, I know there's something else that you're doing that's not even music related. We will get into a little bit, Yeah. you know, and which is and which is awesome and sometimes we actually need to have something and it might not be a career thing it's just i need something i need a break yeah from from music because it's all we do it's like i go to bed with things just churning in my mind mm-hmm. that's just music 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 and I, it's hard it's, to turn it off it's like if you you really love your wife but if you spent every second of every day with her without ever being you know having any sort of separation then you would probably get on each other's nerves really, really bad. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so who are some of the artists that you've, that you've worked with recently? Not, not at the moment, but leading up to now. I was going to say, I might, I might need that list to refresh oh, my memory. Yeah, you can look at it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, leading up to now, yeah, wow. I'm even it's remem- a big list. I'm even remembering these as we go. It's so a great list. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start before my current position and then kind of move backwards. Uh, I was with Love and the Outcome for a long time. There's some dear friends of mine, Chris and Jody. uh, I road managed and uh, ran front of house for them, did their production managing. Um, Worked with Brandon Heath, Sidewalk Profits, uh, The Afters, who I still uh, 
actually advance manage for, which is a term that I, I kind of made up myself, but I, I take care of all the advancing. So what does their, that mean for a listener who, who's wanting to get into this? Like what is advancing? Yeah, so advancing is a part of road managing, but it's without the road. It's everything that you do leading up to the show. So you don't just walk into a show. It's like, well, the contract signed. I'll see you on October 4th or whatever. Um, the road manager, or in my case, the advance manager, um, is in constant contact with the people putting on the show, making sure that they are going to have food for the artists and that there are dressing rooms and green rooms and, hey, are there going to be private restrooms for the guys to use or are they going to have to go, especially at churches, there's a lot of these logistics to work out because it's like this church might not have private restrooms backstage or anything because it's a church, it's not a concert venue. So they're like, oh, actually, we hadn't thought about that and we had all the restrooms open to the public. And it's like, well, if the guys need to go to the restroom during the show or like intermission, then that's going to be kind of weird. So things like that and we just kind of help the promoter prepare for us the artists coming in okay uh on the same side of that i also handle their advancing for the production side of things so i make sure they have the most updated stage plot and input list and backline rider just so that they're completely ready or as ready as they can be for the band coming in and there are no surprises gotcha so i i also do that for the artists that i road manage for uh it's just then i also go on the road with those artists to make sure that it's all getting done it's all getting done exactly and my goal when i'm on the road is to have nothing to do because everything's already done it's just managing making sure that the day happens as we have it set up and then that way if anything does come up that's a surprise or something goes wrong then you have the capacity to handle that instead of doing things that should have already been done in advance so when you're on the road as a road manager and you're taking care of all those things, do you make sure that when the venue is paying the artist, because there's like a deposit that they always have to pay right. to get things settled in on the calendar, but then the final payment that the artist is going to get from the venue, does that go through you? Are you the person who's supposed to, who receives the check? Or I, does receive that go the, I receive the check and okay. I um, make sure that it's the correct amount and that sort of thing. And usually I'll send an email out the week before the show, before people are cutting checks and say, Hey, just as a reminder, this is the number that we're going to be looking at. And those are sometimes different because sometimes there's backend splits, which means depending on the number of tickets that you sell, you might get paid more. uh, You might get a bonus or you Mm -hmm. might get a percentage of the ticket sales after a certain point. Or sometimes we've worked in buyouts for, either hotels or food where instead of we do this all the time right now where they're like instead of us bringing in catering uh for you guys why don't we just give you a couple hundred bucks and you guys can just grab food out or do whatever and so depending on the situation whether you're on a tour or whether it's just kind of a one-off fly date or whatever then i'll kind of make those determinations is what would be easiest for the artist to to handle and um, figure that out. But then all that gets included in that in that check, and then I'll pick that up and drop it off with business management or deposit it. Um, do you myself. ever ask the artist what what they would prefer? Like, do, hey, do you want to do catering? Do you want to just get, uh, you know, get some money up front and we can go grab food somewhere? Um, like, is that, do they ever have a Not like a usually, say in that? mostly, I mean, they have a say in it, but it's mostly kind of, uh, I don't ask for like specific instances. It's kind of more of a, 
and, and even the artist manager might be able to answer this and be like, hey, are the guys, would the guys be in, like willing to do this in the case where like they're flying in the, the morning of a show? Well, there's if there if the band has to fly in all morning and then drive two hours to a church, they're gonna not gonna get there till almost three o'clock in the afternoon. There's no reason for them to rush even faster to get to the church because they can't they don't feel like they can afford to get lunch because their lunch isn't being paid for. It's at the church, and so in instances like that, I just say, hey, will you guys pay you know whatever so that the guys can grab lunch on the on the way from the airport and. Every, most everybody's like, yeah, it's great sure. because catering is expensive sure. for a promoter and they can usually do a buyout of a cash buyout for less money. Yeah. And is there like, is there an average, like a cash buyout? I mean, I know every artist is different. Uh, it's usually like for lunches might be 15 or 20 bucks a person okay. for dinner. It's usually 25, 30 bucks a person. Gotcha. Um, and then depending on the number of people that you have on the tour, then you just kind of tally that up and usually take it in a lump sum and, Add it, have them add it to the check. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so keep, keep going. Here anyway, are some other people you've worked with. Yeah, uh, so I said, let's see, Love and the Outcome. Um, the afters, Brandon Heath, Mandisa. I did a tour, a single tour with Mandisa where I, I road managed that. I've road managed for Brandon, road managed and mixed for Brandon uh, on uh, two tours and a, a bunch of one-offs whenever he would just have kind of random shows. I, I'd go out with him. Um, Sidewalk Profits road managed and uh, I think I mixed for them. Um, Aaron Schust, Anthem Lights. Uh, Anthem Lights was another band that I uh, advanced managed for where I didn't actually go on the road with them. I just did the advancing. Okay. Um, I did do one show with them in Sri Lanka randomly. Wow. Just a one-off, which was crazy. That is random. <laughs> Super random, but really, really fun. And they were like, we don't want to go do this without anybody there. And so I was like, well, I'll go. Sounds fun. And it was. Yeah, uh, Sela, Hawk Nelson, all these are mostly people I very rarely ever road managed only. Um, these are all people that I would road manage and mix for. Okay, uh, so two questions. One, were most of these through Streamline Entertainment to that group company? No, uh, so there are probably, as I look at the list, I'm trying to remember, probably just two or three that are with Streamline, and okay. then the rest are just... Um, connections that I made. I did a bunch of tours with, uh, not a bunch, three or four, maybe with Jason Gray, where I was road managing and mixing. Okay. So you're working with, let's say you're working with the afters Yep. and you're road managing them and maybe running sound. Well, just advanced managing or, for the afters. Okay. So like not, never going on the road with okay, them, I just taking care of their. All right. I picked the wrong, the wrong <laughs> yeah. guess. <laughs> uh, okay. So one of them that you're road managing for. Okay. And then, um, you get done with that tour, how does someone, if it's not through the other company, it's just on your own, how did you get connected, say, like with Jason Gray? Um, mostly managers. I, I don't remember. So exactly. it's just all, it's all because, you know, you know, artist management. Yeah. And you might, you probably know the artist anyway, to some degree. It's to some degree. I'm trying to remember exactly how I got in with Jason because there's a couple different connections. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. But so on that original tour uh the rock and worship road show when jeremy camp was on there at the time there was a guy named walt smith who was jeremy camp's bass player well in addition to playing bass for jeremy camp he worked for this management company who was uh managed jason gray also managed by that company was aaron schust who i ended up doing some work for through streamline but 
is under the same management company as Jason Gray, who I had met Walt from earlier. And so I say all that to say there were multiple connections. I don't remember which is the one that actually led to me working with Jason, but ultimately, oh, then there's a third one in that I did, I was the monitor engineer on the Bible tour, the original Bible tour, where uh, it went in, in conjunction with the movie and they, oh, yeah. um, they would play portions of the movie and then different bands would kind of, it, it wasn't the soundtrack, but they would play songs that kind of went along with the movie. Right. It was a very cool idea for a tour. And so let me stop you there real quick. Yeah. Because uh, I meant to ask you this earlier. So when you're running sound uh, front of house for listeners, that means you're out in with the audience. Yep looking at the stage it's what the audience hears everything the audience hears yep. you're in charge of making sure that that's all done correctly if you're running monitor it's what the band hears that's what the band hears and that's usually their in-ears yep. if they're running in-ears or stage monitors so where are you as a as a monitor usually okay. side side stage okay so side stage off the side so the the audience doesn't really see you if you're not running. necessarily yeah i mean uh, you know off to the side, kind of in the shadows. So what's the difference in running monitor as opposed to running front of house for listeners who are trying to say, I want to be, maybe I want to be a front of house guy. Maybe I want to run monitors for a band. Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, well, in my mind, the difference is uh, I feel like I have a pretty good shot of making six people happy. I don't feel like I have a very good shot of making 6,000 people happy. Good so point. I always preferred monitor engineering. Really? But the most most of my work came in front of house engineer. Okay. So that's, that's just kind of how it worked out. So you're just, as a monitor guy, you're running, making sure that all the, the band can hear each inst, each individual instrument in their particular sets of ears. Yep. Yeah, however they want it mixed. Um, you know, during sound checks, we just go through and they'll play every individual instrument and go kick, snare, hi-hat, tom one, tom two, play the whole kit you know, up, down, just kind of looking at everybody. It's a very much like kind of on your toes sort of position. And every band member has a different mix that they like to hear. And mm -hmm. so then as you're with bands longer, you kind of learn what they like and you can adjust more on the fly for them. But yeah, it's all about just making the musician as comfortable as possible so that they can play the best that they can play. So have you ever run into a situation where like that just ended up being sort of a disaster? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to give names. Yeah. Oh, I, I can because it's not, it's my fault. It's a disaster, not theirs. Okay. Um, but one time I remember very vid vividly, and I apologize to 10th Avenue North in advance if they're <laughs> listening, Mike and the rest, but I really royally butchered their ears one time because I, I was trying to, um, I was trying to add a little sizzle to the mix. I was trying to make it really nice, crisp and clean. So I added a plug in to uh, the mix that I, that I, I really liked this plug-in, uh, especially for front of house. Well, what I didn't realize was that, which doesn't matter as much at front of house, is there's a lot of latency when you use this plug-in. Mm. And so they would be singing and playing, and then they would hear it later in their ears because this thing that I had put on the mix was delaying the feed going back to their ears. Just very slightly. They played the whole show like that. Oh, goodness. But it was enough to where they came off stage and were like, that was so weird. Like, what was going on? I don't know if I actually told them. This might be when they're discovering it. But uh, that's that's the <laughs> time that sticks out in my mind as kind of like, okay, well, uh, that's when I learned that simplicity is best and mm -hmm. that you don't, especially for monitor engineers, there's kind of a baseline of how things sound good. But if you're at that baseline, then take it simple. If people ask for it up, 
turn it up. If people ask for it down, turn it down. If they're saying this sounds a certain way, and I want it to sound a certain other way, then you can start getting creative and trying to figure out, well, maybe I need to add a compressor or a de-esser or whatever you end up adding. But uh, from that moment on, I, I took a much simpler approach to mixing mixing ears. That makes sense. That's that's a funny story. I'm, that'd be awesome if they were to hear this <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. We'll make sure to let them know and yeah, so they can, can listen in. Uh, okay, so all of those amazing artists that you've worked with, and that has led you up to working now with Mr. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is another connection story because yeah. when I was on the road with Jason Gray, we did this tour, uh, I believe it's called maybe the Every Act of Love tour. Uh, if you don't know by now, my memory is terrible. But a lot of shows, it's just easy to get them confused. So we did this tour with Jason Gray, and on the tour was... Uh, Jason obviously is headlining Unspoken, a band called Carrollton, and a girl named Lindsay McCall. I, had, I, I didn't know, know McCall. I didn't know any of them ahead of time, other than um, maybe I had met Jason. And on tour, we all—it was a great tour. We all got along really, really well. It was a very like, you know, friendly kind of like comrades. Everyone comes together, sort of really good and good touring environment where the people were great and you really build each other up and kind of carry each other through, which is not always the case. And, um, and that was great. And so, uh, one week, uh, I got asked, said, Hey, we have an extra spot on the bus. Lindsay's husband would like to come out. Is that okay? I was like, sure. It sounds great. And so that is when I met Mark Mattingly, who is now, as you know, Steven's manager at the time, Steve, uh, Mark worked for a company, uh, called, creative trust who in addition to a lot of other things they managed uh music artists including steven Mm -hmm. and uh mark was their live events manager and so he and i talked and and introduced each other and got to know each other a little bit and then kind of a long way down the road but we end up at fellowship which we've already talked about Lindsay's on staff at fellowship as a worship leader reconnect with Lindsay and mark and um mark uh, the creative trust um, thing happens where they decide that they're no longer going to manage artists anymore. And so Mark starts managing Steven. Steven says, hey, I want to have a dedicated road manager, kind of like we talked about earlier with Franny. And so Mark called me and said, hey, is this something you'd be interested in? And I said, yes, I would. That's the very short very, very version, short version of that <laughs> story because it's very complicated. It just goes to show that the you just meet all these people along the way and God kind of like directs your paths in the way that you're supposed to go. And then the people that you meet and, and it's just crazy how it comes together sometimes. Yeah. And again, it comes back down to relationships Yeah. and knowing people and having friendships with people. You met Mark on the tour bus working with somebody else. And then later yeah, on, he came out to hang out with his wife, not even any sort of music industry connection exactly. whatsoever. And then again, you meet at church at fellowship again. Yeah. So between the time you met him on the tour bus and fellowship, had you, was there any communication between you two before that? Or yeah, because, like, uh, I started working with some of the artists at creative trust because, oh, okay. um, because Lindsay, Lindsay and I got along really well on that tour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, I had talked to Mark a couple other times and, 
he was like, hey, I, you know, I have some artists that need some some help for one-offs, and I have this idea for a tour called the Table Tour that we're going to end up doing. Would you like to tour manage that? And so that's actually how I met like, oh, okay. Brandon Heath and Nicole Nordeman and some of those other artists was um, Creative Trust artists that Mark worked with, and he brought me in to, to do a couple of those tours. I see. Yeah, Lindsay's an amazing artist and songwriter and singer, and I've enjoyed playing with her and writing with her, and yeah. it's been really cool. So. Yeah. Uh, so what are some of the day-to-day tasks that you do working with Stephen Curtis now as his road manager? Uh, it's all about, it's like I said, kind of that, the advancing side of things. Uh, I am in communications with promoters for shows. Uh, usually I work about four to six weeks in advance of a show. And so uh, I'm just looking at the calendar, trying to stay on top of our travel and booking flights and making sure that we get to where we need to go and then working with uh the company, uh, whoever's putting on the show to say, you know, are you ready for us to come in? Um, that tour that we're doing in particular right now is called SCC Solo, where it's just Steven and acoustic guitar. And so on a tour like that, we usually just, you know, do the meal buyouts because we're usually flying in and it's just a lot more flexible that way. And we try to make it as easy on the promoter as possible so that we can we do what we need to do and it's not a burden on them. And so it's just a lot of communication with the promoters getting ready for these shows. And um, I'm also mixing front of house for Steven, uh, front of house and monitors for Steven now, in addition to the road managing. And so I'm taking care of making sure that they're ready for what we're bringing in, that they're providing the things on the production side that we need them to provide to do the show and just all around making sure that we have a really smooth day. That's cool. What's the most fun part of of that job for you right now this spring we did a lot of theaters Mm -hmm. which is kind of uncommon in christian music in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. like i've done more shows in churches than i care to count and doing shows in churches is great but they also have challenges and they aren't designed for shows and they don't often sound amazing because they're not designed to do concerts which is fine so you're not bringing in your own sound system at at right now no we're not so the only thing that we're bringing in at the moment we are bringing in a front of house console which we fly with um, and then we bring in our own microphones and our wireless so steven's wireless mic and his in-ears and the only reason that we bring those things is just so that we can have consistency so the only thing that we have the venue provide on the production side would be um, the the speakers and um, mic cables and mic stands and so we take care of the mics and the, the sound console and everything else. Um, they provide lights. You know, we're not carrying any of those big, heavy things, but anything that we can carry, we try to take with us just so that there's a lot of consistency. Do you have to make sure that when you're at a church doing this particular type of tour, that you're going to churches? I mean, granted, knowing Steve and, and the audience that's coming to him, they're large audiences anyway sure. so the majority of the time they're already going to be large churches mega churches or whatever um, that can hold a, a good capacity of people but do you have to make sure that you're going into a church venue that already has a high quality uh, speaker system knowing that you know because of what because of what the tour is some of that is done on the front end with um, booking booking agent and, okay. and the rider so every booking agent that's booking your artist will send out the artist writer, which has minimum requirements. Right. And so either a church has to sign on and say, our system meets these minimum requirements, or they're already planning on bringing in 
an external gonna, sound they're company. They're going to rent something and do it. Exactly. So by the time it gets to me, they usually know what they're going to have to do. And then I just kind of double check them on, okay, this is kind of what we're looking at. Or, hey, we might need to like do this extra thing here or whatever. So by the time it gets to me, hopefully it's sorted out. And then I'm kind of the last line of defense as to if something's getting kind of squirrely. But I don't run into that a ton, mm-hmm. which is nice. So you're, you say your goal is to get to a venue and not have to do anything because everything's already been done. Correct. So when as you, a road manager, as right. a, on the production side, it doesn't work Well, you like don't get that. to do that because exactly. you, I was going to ask, yeah, I forgot. I, I was going to ask, you know, I can't even count how many times I've been to a Stephen Curtis concert. Me neither. <laughs> you've, you've been to more than I have, and I've been to a lot over my life. We just um, did the... Uh, in April, we just did the hundredth show of this SEC solo, which is a lot of shows okay, for you beat a me. single tour. Yeah, you beat it's me. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I thought I held the record for so long. <laughs> well, I'm sure I don't even hold the record. I mean, yeah, you know, I might have the like current, yeah. most current record, but and then you get to run sound. I mean, I think that's a really cool thing just to kind of follow back up on is that, okay, over your career, what, 10, 15 years, maybe, yeah, roughly. Yeah, 10 years. Okay. You've done audio engineering, yep. road, road crew, learning the process yep. of setting up and tearing down. Um, and then you've transitioned over into road managing for people. And so now, and you've done monitors in front of house. And so you've done like these three or four different things. Um, and, you, and you play keys and you play keys for different people from mm-hmm. time to time, those types of things. So those are all kind of into play. But it just shows, you know, even though it, it may feel like you know, this is one job that you have as, as an umbrella, you're still doing three or four things that allow you to, to have that role, Yep. you know, that title, I guess. And so just having, those are multiple streams of income, but doing those things that allows you multiple things to do in yep. music that lets you do it full time for a living. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. What is some advice that you would give to somebody listening that wants to get into either audio production on the front of house or monitor side or both, or in the management side of things? Like, what would you say, here are some practical steps to take to get, you know, get your foot in the door. Here's, you know, if you make a resume, what do you put in a resume? If you have to do that, how do you reach out to a management company or a production company that's wanting to do those types of things? Yeah, I've had to use very few resumes in my life, which is interesting. I wouldn't stress as much about that other than... Um, now it's nice to be able to look at my resume and remember artists that I've worked with and stuff because I, I sometimes I'll look back at it and be like, oh, I remember that. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't even in my mind. But um, practical tips, I would say, and it's not unlike stuff that we've already kind of covered, but don't be afraid to say no to things that aren't going to move you towards where you want to be. And if you don't know where you want to be, that's okay. You're going to figure that out eventually. Mm-hmm. But if you do know where you want to be, it's okay to start saying no to things that aren't going to get you there, uh, which is very scary and uncomfortable, but that's what you have to do. Um, as far as getting in into the audio engineering world, contacting local companies, if you want to, if you want to do it live, uh, you know, live sound, local companies are great for that. There are a lot of local companies here in Nashville. There are local audio companies everywhere because everywhere does events, whether that's concerts or whether that's just the mayor needs to speak to your small town and this, you know, 
little company goes and sets up speakers for this mayoral event. Like there are audio companies everywhere that you can get in with and that you can learn. In any, and any town across the country. Any town across the country. Wherever you are. Exactly. There's somewhere that's going to be close enough by that you could get in with and say, hey, I would like to work and learn. And I think that having the spirit of wanting to learn is really important because you do need to learn the business and you need to be the best at it that you can be to be able to to succeed and so on the road managing side again just foster those relationships and really learn like i said like i learned from my friend greg he was the best road manager that i had ever seen i loved the way that he did things i loved how organized he was i loved his processes and i still sometimes ask him like, hey, how do you handle this or whatever? And just having those people that you can learn from to say, like, you're, I see you as a person that I would like to be someday. How, how can I do that? How can I learn from you? How can I take what you're already doing and, and myself already do that? And just making those connections and uh, putting yourself out there, you know? What would be, like you're saying, okay, from Greg, you're trying to learn, even now you're trying to learn new things and you're getting to work with the biggest artist in Christian music that there is. Like, sure where do you go from there as far as you know it's like there's not many places you can go from there and at least in christian music so as far as learning like trying to learn new things to to incorporate into what you're doing with steven now yeah occupationally i have no drive to do anything other than what i'm doing now I, i don't see it as like oh, well, next I need to like get on this arena tour so i can get on a world tour so i can blah 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 i don't really care about that um what I want to do now is just be able to serve Stephen as best as possible. And that means learning who he is as a person, figuring out his likes and dislikes, who he is professionally, what he wants to be, you know, how he wants things done and just continuing to work with him and with his management company and whoever else is involved to make sure that his experience on the road is the best experience that it can be. Mm-hmm. And that's really you know, my goal and what I'm trying to continue to improve on, you know, week by week as we're on the road. And you haven't figured that out after a hundred shows. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. It's, <laughs> you know, kidding. you work on it. You have your days. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's awesome. You'll have to ask him. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for your time. And I do appreciate you and your friendship and that we've got to know each other over the past five or six years. Yeah. And we've got to work together and play music together and lead worship together um, and just know each other and, and be friends. And, and I'm so excited for you that you get to, to work in this capacity with Steven and with all the other artists that you've been with over the years. Like I saw your bio, I was like, I didn't know that you yeah. had done a lot of this stuff, you know? Um, but you're not, I mean, I'm not seeking those things out. In this town, you don't necessarily become friends with somebody with the hopes of finding out, hey, what do you do and how no. can you help me out? Like, that's no. not our goal. It's and like none of it is anything that I've done. Like, I mean, yes, I've, I've worked hard and I try to be the best that I can be. But any of these artists that I work with or, you know, I've been asked by other people or, you know, it's the music industry bringing everyone up with it. And also just, you know, God putting me in those positions to where I I do know those people but it's not anything it's not what I've done it's it's really just kind of the blessing of being in the music industry and sure and having really good people around me Mm -hmm. so last thing do you work with any other artists right now like you're working with Steven full-time how many artists would you be willing to work with at a time in that capacity while you're still working you know right now like how much is too much yeah I've I've actually 
I had two other artists that I was advancing for and that I, sh- that I shut down this year. Okay. Yeah, so I was working with Steven and, and advancing for three artists. Okay. I shut down those other two, uh, working for those other two artists. I didn't shut the artists down. Right. I shut down myself working for them. Right. Um, because ultimately, I'm moving in a direction just more away from the road. And even though it's what I... Even though it's what I know, again, I'm, I'm starting to say no to things that aren't going to propel me to where I want to be. And so right now, working with Steven is the perfect situation for me. And working with the afters is great. And I really love those guys. And it's a simple it's a simple thing. And so um, I'm sticking with those for the time being. And we'll see. I probably won't take on more than yeah. that. you got plenty to do right now. Yes. <laughs> If it's not with the music industry, it's with, with other things. So. Yeah. And well, and real quick, your other thing, you have a company called Peach and Pine. Yep. Peach and Pine Home. With your wife. Yep. And uh, my wife. an amazing artist, by the way. She is. Yeah. She has her own music story, which is kind of wild. It feels like a lifetime ago. But yeah, so we run an interior design company here in Nashville. It's been my wife's uh, full-time job for about two years. And uh, I just stepped in full-time with that uh, quote unquote full time. I'm still working with Steven. Um, but, uh, I stepped into that as a project manager and a a director of content. And so I'm working on putting out content that's helpful for people to help love their homes better. Um, I'm blogging for us and and we're doing a a podcast as well. And yeah, it's it's just, it's been really fun and in a a whole new chapter of, of life for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how can people check out uh, your podcast or your website for Peach and Pine? Yeah. So the podcast is called Love Where You Live, and it is about home tips and tricks, interior design. I think HGTV for podcasts. Mm -hmm. And you can find that anywhere that podcasts are. um, Just type in Love Where You Live and you will find it. Um, We also do interviews that are you know really fun those are my favorite part just hearing from other people but our website for the interior design stuff is peachandpinehome.com and that's where our blog is you can also find out more about the podcast there um and we're on instagram and twitter and facebook pretty much anywhere that you can find people were there so pop in and say hello we'd love to hear from you well yeah to have the audience be sure to check out um, your podcasts and your website information for those that are interested in Again, thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming on and talking with me and sharing your story and your yeah. expertise. And, and I'm just really grateful for you. And so thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All it right. was really fun. Have fun. See ya. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm so grateful you spent your time with us. Jeremy Quarles is a great guy, great friend, and what a great wealth of information he has to share regarding running sound for live events, as well as road managing different artists. Be sure to check out all of his social media accounts as well if you want to learn more about Jeremy Quarles. And don't forget, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone, Skype, or FaceTime. Let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.